I thank the band. You guys get a little better every week. Appreciate that. Absolute gift. Um, so welcome to Encounter. If this is your first time, my name is Father Andrew Merrick. I'm the pastor here at Christ the King, and it is an absolute joy to have you with us tonight. Encounter is, is just a time for us to come before the Lord, His presence in the Blessed Sacrament, as we pray, as we worship Him, opportunity for confession or prayer teams, to just open our hearts to be with Him, not only individually, but together as a community, together as the church. And so if you haven't been the Christ the King, if this is your only time being here, we're open all the time for prayer. We have a coffee shop there. We have a library up there for study, a restroom on this side of campus, whatever it may be, whatever you're looking for. This community is here for you. And so tonight, um, if you encounter the Lord in, in, an, in a way maybe you haven't before, if you've been here a number of times, we just want to encourage you, this is a particular place. Always invite your friends to come to CTK. Always invite them to come hang out, to come study, to come pray, to come receive the sacraments. But, but if you're curious about, like, where's a good spot for them to come to just be open, Encounter's a great, a great event to have them come to. So tonight, we have the, the gift of having with us Father Josh Johnson, who, if you've been around, is, he's, he's with us part-time for now on a regular basis, at least for the year. So we're pretty pumped about that. Father Josh is uh, one of my best friends and just a gift to be a brother priest with him and to have him tonight to speak to us. So why don't we open up in prayer? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we give you permission to do whatever you desire to do. We pray, Lord, that you would make our minds, our hearts, Lord, our souls, fertile soil. That your word may bear great fruit in our life. We pray that you would anoint Father Josh and what he has to say and what he has to speak. That he would merely give voice to the word made flesh. And that we, Lord, would hear and receive whatever you desire to speak. Come in the sacraments. Come in your presence in the most holy Eucharist. Come and speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Pio Pietrocina, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Josh. Y'all hear Father Andrew said I'm one of his best friends? You made my heart tickle right there, bro. So. Today's been a really good day. Um, first of all, the weather is, is like pretty cool. But this is my fourth talk that I've given today. So it's been like I was with some nuns, some priests, some other people. So what's been really beautiful for me is that in each one of the presentations that I've been invited to give, I've been able to like do it really based off of prayer. And with the Bible, and I just I love, love, love the Word of God. I just love sacred scripture. And so I've been inundated really all day with, with sacred scripture. And um, this is a gift because the church didn't always have a Bible. Like in the beginning of the church, there wasn't a Bible. There was just the church. And then finally, like the year 382, Pope Damascus 
called together the Senate of Rome with a bunch of bishops, and they're the ones who gave us the Bible that we have today. And after he did this, he invited a guy by the name of Jerome, who we call St. Jerome, to the table and said, Jerome, I need you to translate the Bible into Latin because that's the universal language. And he said, so please translate to Latin so everybody can have access to the word of God. And so Jerome spent a long time, a very long time, translating every single passage and verse in sacred scripture into Latin, we call it the Latin Vulgate, so that it could be accessible to everybody. And when he finally finished, it was around Christmas time. And so he did a pilgrimage to, to Bethlehem. And when he got to Bethlehem, it was Christmas Day, and he brought the first edition of the Bible. And when he brought this, he brought it to Jesus as a gift. Like, Jesus, this is my gift that I'm going to give to you. So I'm going to go into a cave in Bethlehem, and I'm going to offer up this first edition of the Bible for you. And when he went there on Christmas Day, true story, Jesus Christ appeared to him in an apparition. And when he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees and he worshiped and he adored. And after he worshiped God and after he adored the Lord, he presented God with the Bible. He said, God, this is my gift to you. I've been working diligently for many years, and this is what I want to give to you as a birthday gift on Christmas Day. And Jesus looked at Jerome and he said, that's very nice of you, Jerome, but that's not the gift that I was hoping for for Christmas from you. And so Jerome, he's one of the saints in our church's history who had an anger problem and he, uh, bad temper, kind of like St. Peter. And so after he threw a, a fit, he came back to the Lord and he said, okay, God, I will, I will pray more and, and I will do more penances and I will give everything I have to the poor, and that would be my gift that I would give to you for your birthday then, if you don't want the scriptures that I've given to you. And Jesus said, thank you, like, so much, Jerome, but, but that's also not the gift I was hoping for this year at Christmas, my birthday. Jerome gets frustrated again, walks off, has a pity party, comes back, and he says, okay, God, what is it? Like, what do you want from me? Whatever you want from me as a gift for you, I will give to you. So just tell me whatever it is, I will give it to you. And Jesus said, do you promise? Jerome, do you promise you will give it to me if I ask you? He said, I promise you, Jesus, whatever you want, I will give to you. And Jesus said, there's one thing, Jerome, that you've never given me. There's one thing that I've always wanted from you and no one else but you. He said, what is it, God? What's the one thing that only I can give you? And Jesus said to him, your sins. Give me your sins. When you give me your sins, you give me the opportunity to be your savior. Give me your sins. That's what I want from you. We might hear this story. We might say, that's, that's a beautiful story. And, and pious even. But Father, I've given God that gift before. I, I've given Jesus my sins in the sacrament of reconciliation over 
and over again. And in my experience, what I found to be true is that I'll go to confession, I'll confess the sins, and I'll leave the confessional, and then within a week or two or a month later, I'm confessing the same sins again and again and again. So while that story sounds really beautiful for Jerome, it doesn't sound beautiful for me because that's not my experience. If that's your story, then I want to invite you to hear these words. Freedom is possible, but please do not put a timetable on freedom. Do not put a timetable on when am I going to be free from my particular vice, my particular sin, my particular bad habit. If, if that's the only thing you remember from this talk, I want to invite you and encourage you to only remember these words. Do not put a timetable on when I'm going to be free from my stuff. It's a, sometimes I, I give talks and, and people remember the most insignificant things that I wish they didn't. Like, and, and they don't remember the mic drops. I'm like, that was a mic drop that I gave you and you didn't remember it. And so like when I was doing leadership retreat, I mentioned that I like bourbon. And after that, Sarah was like, oh, Father Josh likes bourbon. That's, that's all I remember from his talk was he drinks bourbon. I'm not, I don't drink that much bourbon, but like, it's like one time. Um, when I was at St. Aloysius, I mentioned in a homily one time, I was preaching about the Eucharist and adoration. And I said, like, you know, going to adoration, it's like going to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And you get, like, this really juicy, sizzling, hot steak on a plate. And the waiter says, just look at it. You can't touch it. You can't taste it. Just look at it for an hour. Like, over time, you're going to be like, get in my belly, right, to the stake. And that's what adoration is. Like you go to adoration, and you look at Jesus, you're like, Jesus, I want to eat you, right? Um, but the only thing that the parishioners remembered from that talk was, I like Ruth Chris. And they're like, hey, you want to go to Ruth Chris? I'm like, yeah, I do, actually. But that's not the point. The point is go to adoration. Like, that was the point. So the point here tonight, <laughs> please. Do not put a timetable on when am I going to be free. Because when we do that, we make freedom an idol. Freedom is a gift from God, but freedom is not God. And what my story is, my mistake was, is I made an idol out of freedom. I was more concerned with freedom than I was with the person Jesus. And because I was looking at the gift of God to be free, I was no longer looking at Jesus. And because for many years I was not looking at Jesus, I was not able to listen to Jesus speak to me his truth of how he saw me, of how he knew me, of how he loved me, of how he continually chose me again and again and again. Because after, after my conversion, I went to confession. I was like, all right, great. I did my confession. I'm good. But then... Those vices, those bad habits, for many of us, they don't stop overnight. For many of the saints who preceded us in our walk toward eternity, they struggled with sin, between vice and virtue, good habits and bad habits for many years. And so here I am now struggling. It's the point of the talk. Good night. <laughs> no. So I go to this Word of God conference in, in New Orleans. Uh, yeah. 
Maybe before the Andrew's prayer didn't work, huh? <laughs> A little rusty over there, buddy. It's all right. It's okay, guy. I still love you. You're still my best friend. Um, so I go to this conference, Word of God conference, see this guy. Hadn't seen him in years. He walks up to me. He's like, hey, Josh. And I was like, hey, you. And he's like, do you remember me? And I'm like, no, no, I, I don't. I wanted to be honest. I'm trying to be virtuous here. And so he says, hey, I'm so-and-so. And when he said his name, I remembered. He was a guy who I met right after I had my first big conversion experience. He began to disciple me. And the only thing I remember as he was discipling me was, like, he was, like, just an, the, the average Joe kind of guy. But his girlfriend was, like, super beautiful. And I remember thinking, like, how? Why? So, of course, the first thing I ask him is, hey, girlfriend, like, whatever happened with that? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we got married. Uh, but he told me that they got married when they were, like, 22, very, very young. And six months after their, after their marriage, everything changed. Six months after their, their marriage, uh, his, his wife went deaf. She lost her ability to hear. So they take her to the hospital to find out why is she going deaf, and they find out that she has tumors growing all over her body. And so as they begin to go into surgery and to remove the tumors, she ends up uh, being paralyzed. She's still deaf. She had facial paralysis as well, so they had to seal her eyes shut. So now she can't see. She can't hear. She can't walk. And he was sharing with me in tears. This is the love of his life. He said, but you know, he said, I cannot and I will not, even though my vocation has not turned out the way I thought it was going to, I cannot and I will not take a vacation from my vocation. He says, so I will bathe my wife and I will clip her toenails and I will change her diapers because I love her, because she is my bride. And so for three and a half years of his four-year marriage at this point, that was his experience of marriage. My heart was like, oh, that is real love. And so I, w I went to the chapel before the, the Blessed Sacrament. And I fell on my face before the Lord, and I asked God, like, God, could I ever love you like that? Like the way he loves her, could I ever love you that way? And I don't know about y'all and your experience of prayer, but typically, like, with God, there's a lot of silence. Right? So I'm, I'm praying and pouring out my heart, and it's just like nothing. So I'm like looking. And after 15 minutes of silence or so, I perceived, and I use the word perceived because I'm not infallible in my prayer, but I perceived God speak to me. I perceived God say, Josh, could you ever love, let me love you like that? Will you ever be that vulnerable with me the way she is with him? Can I love you the way he loves her? So I decided very maturely, you know what, Jesus, you gave me silence, so here's my silence to you. I gave him the silent treatment. I gave him the silent treatment because I was very uncomfortable with his question. Can I let Jesus see all of me? Like, will I let him love me? No, I actually, I won't. So I told the Lord, no, I won't let you do that. 
Remember with God, he would never force. He would never impose. It's freedom. Will you? Proposal. It's invitation. Let me love you. I said, no, I was afraid if I am that vulnerable with you, you are going to tell me the words that I fear to hear, which is I am not good enough for you and you don't want me anymore. And so I began to just run away. But the Lord pursues us. He pursues us intentionally and consistently. And like a gentleman, the Lord will knock on the door of our heart. He knocks would not force himself in, he would knock. And he continued to knock on the door of my heart, day in and day out, again and again and again with the same question, today will you let me love you? And after a very long time of resisting his love, of running away from it, I finally said, okay, God, you can love me. And I showed him, God, like, look at, look at my virtues that I've been trying to cultivate And when I perceived him look at me, I perceived him look at me with love. Like, Josh, I love you. And I showed him all the the prayers that I recited all the time that I spent in prayer. Josh, I love you. I showed him all the good things I did for the poor. Same God, same face, same love. But then I could perceive him say, but Josh, will you show me everything, though? There's a few things you've been hiding from me. There's a few things that you haven't let me see. Let me see your sins. Let me see your shame. Invite me into your wounds, your pain, your fantasies. I want to be everywhere. Let me in. Will you? And when I finally let Jesus in, what I experienced was the same thing I experienced when I let him love me in my virtue or in my works or in my good prayer. I saw a face of a God who unconditionally loved me, who delighted in me, who was pleased with me, who wanted to be in a relationship with me. And I could hear him say again, Josh, I love you. Those words that I perceived Jesus say to me were powerful. But even after that experience of perceiving the love of God, I still experienced temptation. We're going to be tempted by the enemy. Even Jesus had temptation. His temptation was only the first level, which was of suggestion from the enemy. And everyone beyond that. But ours, mine, after that experience of his love, it was still, I'm tempted And I delight in the temptation. So when I received that love from God, I had to say, God, it's not enough for me just to receive your love. If I love you, I have to show you I love you too. Love is an action. It's not a one-way relationship where I just receive. I want to give you love, God. And the way I can give you love is by being more intentional with deep, intimate, relational prayer between me and you and your word. Sharing my heart, being vulnerable and listening to every word in your heart. The way I can be more intentional with you, God, is if I actually listen to your word and choose to fast. Because in your word, you say when you pray and when you fast. And if I fast more, if I deny myself pleasures, then I'm going to be able to find a lot more freedom from those things that I'm very comfortable giving into. I'm going to continue to immerse myself, God, in the confessional. And after I leave the confessional, God, 
and I pray my act of contrition, I'm actually going to avoid the near occasion of sin. What do we pray when we go to confession? Oh, my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you. I detest all my sins because of your just punishment. But most of all, because something, something, something. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Anyways, but it ends. <laughs> it ends. Haven't been in a while. It's been, it's been a minute. Andrew, I'll see you tonight. And so it ends, though, with a saying, and I will avoid the near occasion of sin and sin no more. Like That's not lip service. The actual Latin fugere means this, I will flee from the near occasion of sin, which therefore means I need to be aware of what are my near occasions that precede my, my falls. This is what the saints did. The saints were people who struggled with sin, but who committed to prayer and fasting and the sacraments, and they committed to avoiding whatever their near occasion was. There's a saint, her name is Mary of Egypt. She is from Egypt, clearly. Uh, as I said it, I was like, oh, yeah, duh, right? It's like a saint called uh, Mary Magdalene. She's, uh, no. So St. Mary of Egypt is from Egypt, and she grew up in a Catholic family, pretty nominal Catholic family. And <laughs> when she was a, a teenager, uh, because she grew up, and a nominal Catholic family didn't really live a life of, like, sincere, like, discipleship, uh, she began to experiment with, with sin. There was no wound that preceded her sin. It wasn't like something bad happened to her and she ran away from it. No, she just loved pleasure. She loved pleasure with food. She loved pleasure with drink. She loved pleasure with conversation. And so when she finally experienced sins of the flesh, lustful sins, she was like, man, I really, really enjoy that. And so she chose to leave home at the age of like 14 or 13, and become a prostitute on her own volition. Not because she needed money, her family had money, but because she enjoyed the pleasure that came from indulging in sins of lust of the flesh. And she lived the life of a prostitute, not for one year, not for five years, not for 10 years, but for 17 years she lived this lifestyle. For 17 years. She indulged in these sins. And then one day she saw a bunch of guys, and they were getting on a, sh on a boat, and she was like, I want to go where those guys are going. And so she went on the boat, and tradition tells us that she ended up sleeping with every single man on the boat. This woman is Saint Mary of Egypt. Keep this in mind. I'm talking about a saint here, a canonized saint. So after they get off the boat, all the guys go to this, this church because they were on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And they were now going to go confess their sins. And one by one, all the men went to the church. And she said, well, what's in there? Like, I haven't been in a church since I was a kid. And when she walked up to the church, she went to open the door. And the door would not open. And she just cried out, I just want to go in. Please just let me in. And so the door opened. And we don't know what happened. But when she walked in the church... She was able, in God's own will, way, and time, she was able to perceive the love that God had for her right there in her mortal sin. She saw the face of God, and she heard God speak to her about how much he delighted in her. Her heart was pierced 
She recognized that God was the one she was looking for her whole life when she was looking in all of those different men, doing all those different things. It was God she wanted the whole time, and he was right there, and he saw her in her sin, and he said he wanted her. So she went to confession. She received God's mercy. She began to live a life of committed, intentional prayer. She began to fast. But she found that even with all of that, that there were still too many triggers There's still too many things that reminded her of her desire for sin. And so she had to avoid the near occasion, which meant for her she had to leave the town she was in and go somewhere else because there were just too many things that triggered her memories. And even after she prayed and fasted and went to confession and avoided the near occasion of sin, she still struggled for over 17 years. For 17 years she still struggled with sins of the flesh. It was 17 years, but she wasn't concerned with that because freedom wasn't her end. Communion with God was. And so as long as she kept running back to communion with God, freedom would come in God's will way in time. Whether that meant in purgatory or while she was on earth. In her case, it did happen on earth. But in many of the other saints' lives, it did not happen until purgatory. Because the goal for the saints isn't this idol of a gift from God. The goal for the saints is communion with God. And that should be our goal as well. Communion with God. Not focusing on anything else, any gift of God, just communion with God. How do we attain this communion with God in the midst of our ongoing struggles? By being men and women who are committed to prayer. Not just prayer one day a week on Sunday for an hour or an hour and a half, but prayer every single day, relational prayer. Not just prayer where we just say a bunch of words, but also prayer where we take time to listen to God speak his words to us. By being men and women who are also committed to fasting sometimes once a week. Fasting from something, that way the more we fast, the more we can be drawn to fill that desire with more of God. By being men and women who are intentional, like the saints were, and consistent with the sacrament of reconciliation. When we go before the throne of God's mercy to not just confess the, the sin, the event, but to also go beyond that and to go deeper. I remember I went to confession of Father Mark Toops one time. And after my confession, he said to me, he said, so, so what's beneath that? I said, what? He said, I heard the sin, but like, what's beneath that? Like, there's typically a dominant fault from you and I, and sometimes we only confess like the event, but there's something else deeper that if we don't understand what that is, then we're going to keep falling into those same bad habits again and again and again. So if you confess what is gossip, you confess pornography or masturbation, You confess brooding for hours about someone else. You confess whatever it might be, getting drunk. Okay, tell me about what happened before that. There's got to be something more. What preceded that? Okay, well, you know what? I I typically don't get drunk, right? Or I typically don't, don't look at inappropriate websites. I typically don't hook up with my ex. So, so what? What then about that week? Tell me about your week. Oh, you know what? That, that week that I, I gave into gossip and that I just I tore someone down with my words, you know what? That week, I was just really tired. And whenever I'm really exhausted, whenever I'm really tired, like that's whenever I find that I'm a lot more vulnerable and, and I'm probably going to give into sin when I'm really, really tired. 
And that week I was tired. Okay, so being tired is not a sin. But why were you tired that week and you weren't tired the other three weeks in the month? Well, I was tired that week because, like, that week I went to a bunch of different events and I did a bunch of different things. And everywhere I was invited to go, I went. Okay, so why did you go everywhere? This is where the sin comes in, because of pride. Because I did not reverence my limitations. Because I was concerned about the opinions of others, my vanity. Okay, so why then? So there's something even beneath the vice then of, of, of the vanity. Oh, well, it's, if I'm honest, it's because I feel that if I were to say no to any invitation I received, that my friends would not want to be my friends anymore. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere. So where's that fear coming from? Why, why were you afraid to say no? Why are you afraid to be alone? Do you not know what the word of God says? I'm with you always to the end of time. So have you prayed this week? Like really, have you prayed? No, I, I didn't pray this week. I didn't pray. Because if I were rooted in scripture, if I were rooted in prayer, I would know the voice of God that says, I am always with you. You are never alone. I was slothful. So that, that's what it comes down to. Is the, my, my, my core vice is, like, is sloth. And if I could fight against sloth and be more intentional with, with the Lord, then maybe this other vice, gossip, lust, whatever it was, drunkenness would have never happened. And not only am I going to commit myself to the sacrament of reconciliation like St. Mary of Egypt did, but I'm also going to imitate her and I will avoid the near occasion of sin, which means I will discern what for me is the near occasion. For some people, the cell phone is the near occasion of grace. This is, I pray literally hours on this phone. It gets me to and from anointings, to and from house blessings. Right? I'm able to learn about the saints from this phone, connect with people. But for some people, the cell phone is a near occasion of sin. It's from the phone. It's 9 o'clock at night, and this is where they see inappropriate images. And so if that's the case, then we need to find a way to avoid it, whether that's through getting covenant eyes or a flip phone. We need to find a way to actually avoid the near occasion. If envy is the vice, then I need to say, well, when do I struggle with envy the most? Well, you know what? I struggle with envy the most, which is that irrational, it's irrational response to someone else's blessing. And I don't have to have it, but I don't want them to have it either. It's whenever I'm on social media and I'm looking at other people's lives and how good their lives seem to be. So that means that for this season, maybe not forever, but at least for now, I need to avoid social media. Because when I'm on social media, I begin to brood about what they have and what I don't and what I don't want them to have. I don't need it, but they shouldn't have it either. It might be gossip. So when and where, with whom do I gossip? I don't necessarily need to avoid those people, but I need to avoid the places that I typically fall into that vice of gossip with them at. We must become people who are serious about the words that we say whenever we pray the act of contrition. Again, not so that I can have a timetable on if I pray and if I fast and if I receive God's mercy again and again and again and avoid the near occasion of sin, then I'm going to be free in X amount of whenever. No, I do it for communion. I don't know when it's going to happen in the future. I can't. Go back to the past, but in the present, I want 
to experience union and communion with him. And tonight, you and I will have that opportunity to experience holy communion with God. First and foremost, in his Eucharistic presence. He is here with us. He is here tonight, and he wants for us to see him. But he also wants for us to hear him. And the way that we're going to be able to hear him is if we receive his mercy in the confessional. If we let go to whatever it is that we're holding on to in the present moment, not focusing on tomorrow or thinking about yesterday, but in the present moment, choosing to experience communion with God. And if that is my attention, if that is where my gaze is at, then that is the voice that I will listen to again and again and again. And if I can persevere in drawing closer to God like St. Mary of Egypt did in communion while I am on earth, then I will receive the same gift that she is living in now, which is not communion on earth only, but most importantly, it is a deep, intimate communion with God forever in the kingdom of heaven. So we want to invite you to prepare your hearts for Jesus in the blessed sacrament and for Jesus in the sacrament of reconciliation so that you can not only be loved by him, but so that you can love him on earth as he desires to be loved in heaven.